The following sermon is by Dan Thomas, pastor and teacher at Community Church in Edwardsburg, Michigan. If you've never visited us at Community Church, we invite you to join us at 28647 US 12 West in Edwardsburg. And now, here is Pastor Dan Thomas. We do praise the one who paid our debt. Praise the one who washed us, cleaned us up. We praise you for the work of Calvary for the price paid by Jesus so that we can be free, so that we can be clean. Thank you, Lord, for the chance to worship you this day. May you continue to be lifted up now during our time in your word, I pray. Amen. You may be seated. Back in preacher school. I like to say that every once in a while so that you all know I went to preacher school. Uh, I think there's been some question about whether or not he ever went to preacher college. But the the whole idea of putting together a sermon uh, was described like this. They said the first thing you do is you look at Scripture and you ask the question, what? What does it say? Okay. The second thing you do is you look and say, okay, so what? So what does that mean? Uh, We know what it says. Then what does it mean? And the third thing you have to look at then is now what? What are we supposed to do about it? Okay, now, I don't know, I don't know that I predict that anybody would remember this, but back when we started Hebrews, I think it was way back in November, by the way, uh, we're going to finish up Hebrews over the next few weeks before Palm Sunday and Easter, we'll talk about, uh, thought we'd talk about the resurrection on Easter, you know, we kind of missed Easter last year, (laughs) they had it, but uh, we could still celebrate Jesus, but we get to do that, I'm pretty pumped about that, Uh, moving into those days, but, uh, but what we're doing here as we come to the end of Hebrews is we are transitioning. Okay, chapter 10 is actually very much a transition chapter because, <clears throat> sorry, my voice was just uh, leaving me there for a second. The, um, I, I don't know if you remember this or not, but in the New Testament, you have the four Gospels, and then you have the book of Acts, which is a book of history. And then you get into what we call the epistles. Okay, the next 13 books we call Paul's epistles or the Pauline epistles. Epistles is the big word for what? Letters. Okay, so it's just letters that he wrote. Then, so you get into, you know, he wrote to the church at Thessalonica and the church at Corinth and the church at Rome and the church at uh, Philippi and the church at Gal- churches of Galatia. And then he wrote to Timothy and he wrote to Titus and those boys. Those are all the letters, Paul's epistles. And then you have the book of Hebrews and then you have some more letters written by James and Peter and John and Jude. But that book in the middle, this Hebrews, that it, I said is a little bit of a mystery book, it's not really written like a letter. Okay, it's not really like in the beginning, it doesn't say, hey, how you doing? That's what the, the other letters do. Kind of like, hi, greetings, everything like that. And then at the end, farewell, you know, say hi to so-and-so. This doesn't have that. Hebrews is much more of a sermon. So Hebrews follows this format. It tells us what the truth is. And then it tells us, so what? What does that mean? And then it tells us, now what? Here's what you're supposed to do. Well, we are getting to the place in chapter 10 where it's time to transition from the what we believe to the so what? What's that mean in our lives? To the now what are we going to do about it? So that's where we're going over the next few weeks as we look at chapter 11, 12, and 13. But today, this will help us uh, transition a little bit as we move. Now, uh, let's see here. I wanted to... um, kind of summarize that for a second here, this statement, all progress in the spiritual life comes from personally apprehending the truth. It is that idea of we get what we learn, and then, okay, so now what? Okay, and by the way, someone has said this, we only truly believe what causes us to take action. 
So when we get, okay, this is what I know about Jesus. This is the truth I know from Scripture. Okay, now how do I live this out in my life? Well, that's, uh, that's kind of the, the vein of that quote here. What I want to do then is take a few minutes and kind of summarize what we've been going through in Hebrews, a few ideas, okay? Idea number one, to make it real simple, we're going to do this. No chair in the temple, okay? I don't know if you remember or the tabernacle, but we talked about the furniture some last week. And there's a laver where they washed up, and there's an altar where they sacrificed, and there's a table of showbread, and there's a uh, golden candlestick, and then there's another altar, and then there's the Holy of Holies. You know what is missing? A chair, okay? I want you to remember that there is no chair in the tabernacle or the temple. Well, why do we remember that? Some of you that speak Seinfeld. If you had a chair, would you sit in it? Well, they didn't have a chair. And the reason why they didn't have a chair is because the work was always left to do. It was never finished. When Jesus finished the job of laying down his life, he sat down. You know why? Because it's all done. Maybe we should, somebody should write a song and say, Jesus paid it all, Okay? Follow me? We just sang that? Okay, the, the price is completely paid, okay? It, it's over. The job is done. So Jesus sat down. The priests never sat down in the temple or the tabernacle. They never did. Because in those days, and Hebrews wants us to know this, that work was never complete. Remember, that was just a picture. That was just to show us. That was just a shadow of the things to come. It never was going to pay for sin. So if you can remember, that's what they're saying. The work was never done. And... Um, let me go back to this for a second, too. You, you might remember this. The church there uh, that uh, the writer is writing to, they had come from this temple with the elaborate worship and everything and all the sacrifices, and now they're meeting in homes. Okay, they're, you know, they're sitting on Larry's couch having a Bible study, and they, man, I kind of miss that. And the writer is saying to them, no, you're, the things that you're missing, the things that you're being drawn back to, those are inferior. Jesus is better than all those things. Okay, you wanted to go back to the ceremonies. You want to go back to the temple. No, Jesus is better than that. That never got the job done. You could never sit down. It was never over. No chair in the temple. Second idea, uh, to kind of summarize this here, and I love this quote. This is, this is good. Uh, Every unrighteous act of ours has been consumed by one righteous act on the cross. I love that. Every unrighteous has been consumed, it's been devoured, it's been eaten up, it's been, Jesus paid it all. Okay, it's gone. By the one righteous act on the cross. And then I'm going to jump into the middle of chapter 10, which is kind of a summary verse of the first 10 chapters. Where there is forgiveness of these, there is no longer an offering for sin. In other words, he says, I got a new way, I got a new covenant. Okay, all the ceremonies that we have, we don't need to do those anymore. They were to picture, but now they're done. Jesus has now come and offered himself as a living sacrifice. And we don't have to go through all the ceremonies anymore. That is a done deal. So this is what we have. Uh, this is the, the idea that the, you know, the price has been paid. We're going to continue reading in chapter 10, but I thought I'd uh, create some adventure here. I wanted to light this little lamp. This could be exciting. If you all know how clumsy I am, I thought if I just lit this, that could hold your attention because you'd be like, oh, he almost knocked that over. Uh, and that, that would be, think how viral our video would go. <laughs> well, watch this guy. Right in the middle of church, he knocks it over. There you go. Got that. Okay, we won't set the table on fire. That's good. This could be exciting right here. I practice this part. We're going to leave that burning. We're going to talk about that in a little bit. We'll, we'll wick it down a little bit there. That is our visual illustration we're going to get to in a few minutes, okay? The burning oil lamp. Okay, are you ready? Let's go ahead and begin reading here. Now, remember, we're moving from the what 
to the so what. So what does that mean? And then we're going to move to start moving into the now what we're going to do. You ready? Uh, in verse number 19, the scripture says this. Therefore, okay, remember, we're, we're wrapping, therefore, okay, because of all these things I've taught you, brothers, and don't miss these next three words, since we have, he's going to say, okay, here are some things that you have based on everything that I've taught you about Jesus and paying the price and him being our high priest. Here's what we have. We have one thing we have is confidence to enter the holy places by the blood of Jesus. We'll come back to that. But by the new and living way that he opened for us through the curtain that is through his flesh. Okay, I don't know if you remember that. We talked about that too. In the temple, they had this curtain that the high priest could only go into once a year. Remember what happened when Jesus died to that curtain? What happened? It was ripped. Why? Because God is giving us access through his shed blood, through his body. Okay, we have access through the curtain, through his flesh. That's why God became a man, to come and lay down that life for us and rip that curtain so that now man has a way to God. Man has a way to forgiveness and acceptability with God because Jesus did that. And since we have a great high priest over the house of God. So he says, since we have these things, now you're going to see a new phrase that I want you to notice. Let us. We're going to see this three times, okay? So we're going from, since we have, okay, so what? Now we have this. Now, so how does this show up in our lives? Let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith, with our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. And let us hold fast, second let us, the confession of our hope without wavering, for he, has prom he who promised is faithful. One more let us. And let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another and all the more day as you see uh, that and all the more as you see that day drawing near. Okay? Now I want to highlight these two phrases here. We have since we have, let us. Because we know. So let's talk first of all about what we have and understand that in the Old Testament. They desired holiness, but all they had was the law, and they couldn't keep it. They desired forgiveness, but all they had was the sacrifice of animals, and that couldn't pay the price for sin. They, uh, they desired intimacy with God, but only the high priest could go into the presence of God once a year. So they longed for these things. And what the writer here is saying, you, have, you now have these things that people have longed for forever. Okay, I'm trying to find a, uh, who can I pick on? Ethan, I'll pick on you for a second here. Ethan, how old are you now? Call, call, where's Ethan? You're not here. Okay. So I got the wrong kid. Never mind. Never mind. So you're, he's younger. Uh, who do I need? I need? I need a kid who can almost drive. Now, nah, Preston, you're too young. Forget it. There's a kid named Larry sitting on the front row. Uh, and he is 16. Larry, how are you doing there? Uh, he's 16. He really wants uh, to drive, like everybody who's 16, he's had a passion to do this. And his dad, that's me, uh, I made a deal with him. This is wise parenting, I think. Just You might want to take notes on this. Uh, I made a deal with him. I said, hey, buddy, I said, if you want to get a car someday, you got to save your money. Now, what I'll do, I'll match it, okay? Everything you save, I'll match so you get enough uh, money. And Larry's been diligent, okay? Larry's been saving money since, you know, since he could mow a yard and everything like that. And I've matched it, and he has enough money so that he goes out and he buys a car, okay? Uh, it's done. And uh, he parks the car in the driveway, and um, he's, uh, it's time to go to school, and he goes and gets on the bus. 
Larry, uh, uh, what's the deal? But anyway, he just, in, in time to go to work, and he's bumming a ride or in, anything like that. The car is just sitting in the stinking driveway, even though it has already been paid for. And I say, Larry, what's going on? And he says, oh, I'm still working, saving money. I said, Larry, wait a minute, you got a car. And he said, I know, I'm still working, saving money, which I want him to stop because I had to match it. Uh, and I didn't like that idea, but he said, I'm still working. I want us to, what the writer here is saying, there are some things that you have and you're still working for it. It doesn't make any sense. Okay? So what I want to encourage you to do is to drive the stinking car. Okay? Don't let, have it sit there anymore. It's paid for. It's done. You don't have to work and earn, earn it anymore. So let's, uh, let's kind of dig into that. What is it that we have as we transition into, into this? These are some things since you have. By the way, some of you might remember the story of a rich young ruler who came to Jesus, and it talks about his possessions. It's the same verb in here that he uh, has these things. These are his possessions. You own these things. They are yours. It's taken care of. So let's see what did the scriptures say we have in Christ. Number one, we have this. We have confidence. It says, since we have confidence. Now, let's explore this for a second. got a really weird verse to show you. Are you ready? You say, like, where is he going with this one? From Exodus chapter 28, verse number 33, it says this, and some of you, I'm sure, love this verse. It's your life verse. You have it stenciled on your wall at home and tattooed on your back. Okay, you ready? On its hem you shall make, this is talking about the robe of the priest. Okay, I know, I know all of you love this verse. You shall make pomegranates <laughs> of blue and purple and scarlet yarns. Amen? That's good preaching right there. I don't even know. Okay, anyway, around its hem with bells of gold between them. Okay, now it's talking about the robe of the priest. It says you got these pomegranates hanging down there, and you got bells on. Okay, you ever heard that expression with bells on? Okay, there's the priest. They had bells on. Does anybody know, have you ever heard what, why those bells were so important? In case he died. Okay, that's right. Here's the thing. When the high priest went into the Holy of Holies, that place was so holy. God is so holy that if he hadn't gone through the proper purification and everything like that, if he hadn't taken care or if there was wickedness in his life still, when he went in there, he died. Some of you remember the story of the one who touched Uzzah touching the Ark of the Covenant. God is so holy. And if we could kind of grasp that, that there can be nothing evil, sinful in his presence. See, if we really grasp that, then we'd understand that when we sing Jesus paid it all, we'd understand the magnitude of what Jesus did because he took us and cleaned us up so that we could come into his presence. You see, in this case, and this is not from Scripture, but from Jewish uh, history and ritual, they, they say that sometimes they would tie a rope around the high priest's ankle so that when he went in, if he did die, if the bells stopped ringing and they knew he was dead, they could drag him out without having to go in and have somebody else die. <laughs> Lovely, isn't it? Here you go. Just in case you croak, uh, yeah, we, we have this. But, uh, I, but I, what I want us to see with this is how incredibly holy God is. And when we talk about approaching him with confidence, we can't, I don't know how else to say this, we can come into his presence as though we belong. I... Um, Believe it or not, I used to be a decent golfer. That's a, a, many moons ago, uh, De Dennis had to slip away for so something. But uh, since I've been here at church, I think I've gone golfing with Dennis about once a year. He's older than me. Like, I don't know, he's like six or seven years older than me. He beats me every time, and he outdrives me. I like to shoot him. Uh, the the B, I can understand, but he still hits the ball farther than me. That really frustrates me. I think he has better 
equipment. But anyway, uh, it has to be that. It can't be that he's just stronger than I am. But anyway, back in the day when I used to play golf, I wasn't good, but I was decent. You know, I was, I was respectable as far as a golfer goes. So I had a friend who uh, was kind of wealthy, and, and uh, he, he was part of a, a club where they were having a scramble. Some, you know, I'm going to talk about it. And he put together a team for the scramble. He said, hey, why don't you come play? An exclusive club. It was one of these deals where it was a fundraiser. So you had to pay like, I think it was like $5,000 to have a team in there. But it was a fundraiser. He paid it. You know, I just showed up. Uh, and uh, I showed up there and I wore my typical golfing apparel. Okay, which means shorts, summertime. A t-shirt, summertime. And I never did invest in golf shoes. I tried sticking thumbtacks through the bottom of them one time. That didn't work out all that well through my tennis shoes. I just had tennis shoes. So I had my tennis shoes and my shorts and my T-shirt, and I walked in there. I never, I mean, I, I just did not belong. Everybody else had the long golfing trousers, you know, like that, and a nice golfing shirt, and their golfing shoes and everything like that, and I just did not belong. Uh, I could tell my clubs. <laughs> I had Band-Aids holding the heads on, you know, and different things like that. It was really, uh, now my friend was so gracious, and he was kind, it, it, but uh, so he helped me. Actually, they wouldn't let me go out golfing without a collar on my shirt, so I had to go back to the car, and it was like an 85-degree day. I had to, I found a jacket that had a collar, and I had to wear the jacket all day because I wasn't allowed out on course without a collar. I really didn't fit in. So afterwards, they're having their little get-together, their little party, and, you know, they got the buffet set up, and I'm up there loading up on the shrimp cocktail <laughs> and all like that. And honestly, a guy walks over, and he was kind of like, you know, this guy just wandering off the street wants some shrimp. Uh, so he said, sir, are you, uh, and my buddy right away from across the room said, he's with me. <laughs> okay, that's good. What I want you to visualize is this. He, God says we can come into his presence with confidence. Here's why. We have the Savior saying, he's with me. Okay? He's with me. It's not because he belongs here, but he is with me. So when I say you can come to the throne of God with confidence, when I say you can enter his presence, when I say you can talk to God freely, it's because Jesus says, he's with me. You have confidence. Okay, now the second thing that he says we have, not only do we have confidence, but we have Jesus, the high priest. He says, I am uh, creating for you a new and living way. Uh, I'm going to change you from the inside out. And this we want to be the emphasis of our ministry as far as around here goes. We want to be a place where the word of God is preached, where the gospel is proclaimed, where people are loved uh, and, and they're shared with how much Jesus loves them. Uh, but we also want, I want you to be growing into living out uh, of, uh, well, let's look at it in this phrase right here. Old covenant people live for what they hope to have. New covenant people following Christ live out or live from what they have now. Okay? So, so we have in Christ, we have this confidence coming into his presence. We have this new life inside of us. We have Jesus Christ. We have this new uh the, the power of his spirit residing in us. We have that now Well, when we come to him as Savior. So we want to live from what we have in him, from what is true. In other words, very simply, again, you want to drive the car. You want to drive the car, okay? I want to live like this is paid for. I want to live like, yeah, he has changed me. I'm a new creature in him. I want to live like that. This is real, okay? Since we have confidence, since we have Jesus, the high priest in our lives, Okay, now let's go into what else the scripture says. Let us, and the first let us is let us draw near to him. 
Now, here's where my lamp illustration comes in, okay? As we really move into the now what, what's this look like? The first thing we are to do, he simply says this, we are to draw near to him. The reason why I brought the oil lamp up here is because as I researched those words, draw near, and I've never seen this before, I never saw that, but it's the same word that is talking about that the draw near is the same word as the connection of the wick into the oil, okay, that it has to be there all the time. Now, I don't want to mess up uh, the lamp that I borrowed here, but obviously if we take the wick out of the oil, what happens? It's going out, okay? It has to have that, and it's continual. It has to draw, draw like that, okay? And if we're going to trust this lamp, and we're going to have the light of this lamp, if it is going to stay lit, if it's going to stay alive, that wick is going to stay in the oil. So when the Scripture tells us to draw near to Jesus, it is talking about this continual idea of walking in his presence, of leaning on him all the time. It is not talking about a, you know, show up once a week and connect with God for a few minutes. It's talking about getting up every morning and saying, Lord, I'm ready for this day. I want to walk with you. And we want to be growing uh, to that place in our life where we're doing that more and more. I want to encourage you to be in a regular habit of opening up the Scriptures as every day or as, as close as you can come to that. Uh, it, opening up the Scriptures and saying, Lord, what do you want to say to me today? I need to make sure my wick's in the oil. Okay, I need this. I want to draw near to you. I want to encourage you to have a regular time of dialogue with the Lord. Say, again, I don't know what to say, Pastor. I don't know how to pray. I don't know the fancy words or anything like, like that. A regular dialogue, a real conversation with God is all I'm inviting you to do. And again, sometimes that prayer, and, and you see this in the life of the psalmist, sometimes that prayer is, God, today's a hard one. God, I don't know what's going on. You know, for me, you know, I remember I wrote in my journal on, on uh, Thursday. We were getting together with some friends. All I wrote in there was, God, I, I want to enjoy my friends and love them well. Help me to do that today. It's just real, That's what was on my heart. That was on my mind. You know, it doesn't have to be, oh, Father, omnipotent one who sits in heaven, Father of Jeroboam and Rehoboam and the, uh, the rest of the Boams. I don't have to have any, you know, fancy prayer or anything like that, but just dialogue with God. And learn to do that more and more because I want to go through life walking connected all the time is that idea. Okay, now I've mentioned this before when this topic has come up. Please give yourself some grace on that. Okay, this is something that I am learning, continuing to learn at 61 years of age. And I've been following the Lord for decades. Okay, but I'm continuing to learn this idea. And I still have days when it's like, okay, I just forgot, you know, that I'm even a Christian. Yeah, you, you, hopefully you understand what I'm saying. I just forgot. Uh, stuff like that. But I want to continue to develop it so that more and more I'm leaning on him each day. So that I'm, you know, approaching whatever I'm approaching. Lord, I went in this store, help me to reflect you well. Uh, Lord, I'm, uh, you know, whatever. I want to behave right, you know, if this, if my service is slow. You know, I don't, Lord, help me to behave well. Help me to deal with this. Uh, my kids are hurting, Lord. I love them, and I pray that you care for them, and you mend their hearts, you know, that type of thing. What is, what's on your mind? Have a dialogue with God. So begin with, God, I'm opening the scriptures today. What do you want to teach me? And how long should you read? Hey, maybe until you get a sense that God showed you something. And then dialogue with him on a regular basis, because this is what it means to draw near to God. Okay, so the first thing he says is draw near. The second thing he says is hold on tight. Now, um, we... Um, couple weeks ago, my birthday. 
Uh, we, we, I don't know, I guess this is a parent thing, but I thought, you know, our kids would always come see us, but it seems like if we want to see them, <laughs> we got to drive. Uh, and my daughter and her family lived out in Indianapolis, and we made a bunch of trips down there, so for my birthday, she was going to come up. This was uh, back first week of February. Uh, she was actually going to come up. I thought, man, big deal, they're coming up to see me, and she said, I'm going to come up and take you out to lunch, Dad. Well, the weather turned sour on Thursday night, it was kind of nasty on Friday morning. You know, my daughter's 12 months pregnant and has a little baby. Uh, already, and I thought, you know, I don't want her driving in this, so I called her up in the morning and said, I ah, forget it, we'll come down. Uh, so we, uh, we headed down to, to Westfield to, to pick them up, but, you know, you're looking for something to do in the winter time around here, especially during, you know, COVID spectacular season here, uh, trying to find something to do, and she said, well, sometimes we go over to the mall, Keystone at the Crossing Mall, ever been there? For most of us, it's just a look and see mall. It's not actually a shop, but uh, but it's a but it's a, it's a nice uh, mall, nice you know, high end mall. You walk around. So we went there. We went to the Cheesecake Factory. Uh, for yeah, yeah. There's there's some of you got your attention back. That's good. I uh, went to the Cheesecake Factory, and then we're walking around the mall. And uh, I I mean, Easton's two. And that was enough for him. You know what? He sh- there's a car in the middle of the mall, and he got excited about showing me the car, you know, because he and his daddy look at the car every time they go. And, uh, you know, he showed me that. But the highlight of the mall was riding the escalator. Man, it's nice when kids are little. Uh, forget Cedar Point. Let's take them to the mall. Have them ride the escalator. That's great. Uh, but, uh, but yeah, Easton's a little unstable. He has this you know, cast on his upper body. So if he starts to fall, he goes fast. So you want to make sure he doesn't fall. So, you know, his mother says, make sure you take Pop's hand, you know, so he reaches and he grabs onto my hand to go up. Okay. But here's the thing. He can't really hold onto my hand tight enough that if the escalator starts going or he starts falling, it's going to hold. So I have to figure out a way to reposition, and even though he is holding on, I'm the one doing the holding. Does that make sense? Okay, so I have to, I have to get a good grip on him here. That's exactly a, a perfect picture of what we got here with God. We are told to hold on, cling on to him, but understand this. It is not dependent upon my grip strength, okay? It is dependent upon his grip strength, and that's a tight grip. He says nothing gets away from my hand. Okay, nice picture, isn't it? Uh, A good idea. It's not about me. It's not about my grip strength. It is about his grip strength as far as that goes. So you're ready. We've moved into the uh, now what? Now what? First of all, draw near. That means we've got to spend time with God. We've got to keep the wick in the oil. Secondly, hold tight. Okay, but as I hold tight, I trust the fact that it's not really about my grip strength. It's about his grip strength. It's about what he's done. I trust in him. The third thing that he says Let us do the uh, third thing. He talks about encouraging other people. He says, don't forsake the assembling of yourselves together. Uh, In in fact, let me read that verse again. This is a verse um, people used to run to all the the time. Uh, 1025 uh, says, not neglecting to meet together. Now, I had to laugh a little bit when I read this because I remembered how we used to take that verse. Okay, basically, this was the verse we always used to tell everybody they have to come to church. Okay, it's the only one we can find in the Bible that specifically says something like this. It says, Let, do not forsake the assembling of yourselves together. Now, I have mentioned this before. My past was, most of you would uh, describe it as legalistic. And this, this is not exaggeration. I'm, I'm saying this laughing at myself more than bragging. But I, probably for 25 years of our life, I missed two Sunday morning services. Okay, one was when I had my spleen out. 
And uh, the other one, I think I got sick one other time. I think I had that thing where you get dizzy. Did the vertigo? Thank you. Uh, I think I, mi- I missed it like that. You said we had my daughter was born on a Friday and she was released from the hospital on Sunday morning. And I told them, well, I'll have to come after church. <laughs> That's how we thought. And anywhere we. <laughs> Some of you are like, you are weird. Uh, but, uh, but we got her eventually. Just my wife had to wait a little while. Uh, the, uh, but we were like, we would travel. And it, I mean, if we were out on the highway or anything like that, you know, if it was a Sunday night or a Wednesday night, we'd have to stop and go to church. I remember the worst one we ever got into was in Rolla, Missouri. We went into this church on a Wednesday night, and they spent the whole time with some older lady read missionary letters the whole time. So this lady we didn't know was reading about people we didn't know, uh, and we sat there, and the kids were with us. They were like, Dad, really? Uh, the hotel has a pool. Let's go. Uh, but no, bless God, we, you can't miss church because the Bible says that. Okay, I want to tell you, that is not what this says, okay? It actually says in a lot of it doesn't say that, but it actually goes beyond that. What it teaches us, well, let, let me back up for a second. My brother a little while, actually, before he passed away, he was, <laughs> he was talking to me, and I was asking him about church, stuff like that. He says, I'm just not going to go to church and sit and listen and have somebody talk to me, things I already know, which sounds a little arrogant. Uh, but at the same time, he said, that's not why I go to church, is to go and just sit and listen. Even though it was just a tad bit, and then, then he looked at me and realized I was a pastor, and he goes, sorry. <laughs> he goes, so sorry. Uh, whatever. But actually, he made a very good point, because I think what this verse does teach is, this is not... We could say it like this, it's not a spectator sport, but what I, but, but what I want to say, sorry, I wrote it down here, and I, w- I want to re- remember how I said this here. This is not a place that is designed for passive receptance, okay? This is not a place that we're supposed to go, listen, leave, that's it, okay? This is a place, and the gathering together is not designed to come sit, get, and go, it is designed for active engagement in people's lives. Okay, as you read those, those scripture. And I just I saw a friend of mine say amen, and I know that he says a similar thing. I'm not looking for a church just to go sit and leave. I'm looking for a place to minister. Okay, I'm looking for a place to care and ha- about other people and invest in people's lives and bring other people to the gospel. That's what I'm looking for. I just don't want to go find a place to be entertained. Okay, which, by the way, that can happen, and has happened in some churches today, where it's like, hey, we'll just put on the best show that we can to get people to come, but it's not for just passive receptance. It is for active participation. That's what this verse says. Let us come, and so what we really want to be doing is that even as we come in on a Sunday morning, we want to be saying, dear God, show me who you want me to care for today. Show me who you want me to, in some way, encourage. How can I do this? How can I be an encouragement? Truth is, even in just being here, you're an encouragement. Worshiping, you're an encouragement. So that, let's take those as the baby steps, if you will, but let's go beyond that, too, and think of, I mean, sometimes it's just a matter of saying, uh, dear Lord, who would you have me talk to? Okay, wait a minute, I see Jim. Uh, I'm going to go over there, and uh, as you go, pray, say hello, and see what happens. I, I don't know what else to say, but let's look for opportunities to minister. Let's try where we can to encourage somebody else to come with me. You know, that, that type of idea. We want to be, because, you know, I, I have mentioned, and I, I, I cannot express thanks enough to the folks who work so hard to make it so that we can live stream services, because when COVID all started, I mean, we 
press the record button. Daniel, remember our first week here? You and I in here, and he pressed the record button. We put out an audio recording, and by next week, they were up ready to go with a bunch more things and kept adding to it, and I'm very thankful for that. I really am. I'm so glad that we can live stream. Those of you that get a chance to watch now, I, I am, you know, immeasurably in their debt because all we would have had beyond that was me with my phone setting it up on a mic stand and talking for 30 minutes. That's all we'd have. Uh, and the, the work that they've done to make it so we can live stream. But I, I feel like I, I need to say this. The whole live streaming thing was never intended to be a substitute for gathering together. Okay? In other words, it is supposed to be the except, and I'm thankful we have it. I'm thankful that... Uh, you know, I'm, I'm thankful Scott Anson during his busy season can watch the service or, or when uh, Gene's on fireman duty, you know, he can watch the service and, and have that. I'm thankful for those of you that are quarantining and staying there that you have that to watch this, the service. I'm thankful some folks mentioned that when they travel, you know, they'll, they'll uh, put, put that on in the car when they're coming back. I'm very thankful for all those things, but I do want to say it is never intended to replace gathering together. If this were just about coming and getting a message, Honestly, a couple things. You can do a lot better than me. I know that. Uh, I'm not the, uh, you know, the top internet speaker. Uh, I'm, I'm up there in the top 8 million probably, but I'm not, to, you know, I'm not quite at the top of the list. I get that. If, this, if that's all this was about, just find the very best Bible teacher and go and watch them all the, all the time. But this is about more than that. Okay, this is about gathering together to invest in other people's lives, okay? And I, I think we need, we need to say that. And again, please don't, you know, well, wait a minute, I'm staying home in quarantine. Good, that's why we have the live stream service, okay? Uh, I, uh, I can't come every week because of this. Or, or somebody was telling me today, you know, when the weather's bad, it's very hard to travel. Good, I'm glad that we can have a live stream service. I'm glad you can watch somebody else on TV. I'm glad for that. But I, it was never intended to be the full-time substitute. And, and to be very honest, just candidly talking here, for a lot of people, it's been a year now since you've been to church. You're pretty close. And it's going to be hard to get back in the habit because not going is kind of nice. <laughs> Honestly, Sunday morning's off. Sweet. Uh, yeah, hey, did you get the donuts yet? Okay, let's sit down. You know, it's, it's 1030. Yeah, we can watch a little bit of church, eat our donuts. Uh, don't forget, you know, let the dog out first or, or whatever like that. I, I understand that. It gets kind of nice. So I really just want to, you know, emphasize that one of the things he says is, now what? Let's, let's encourage each other. Let's build up the body of Christ. Okay, let's, let's help each other with that. We've got, we've got to do that. Okay? So I want to bring it now with two questions, I guess. The first question is this, or bring it around with this. Just review, are you still working for what you already have? In other words, is the car sitting in the driveway? It's yours. It's paid for. It's been, actually, you didn't even have to earn it. It was gifted to you through Jesus Christ. He's given you this relationship, okay? He has, ma he has made this through his, through when you trusted him, when you believed on Jesus Christ, he said, hey, I cleaned you up. You can now come boldly, okay? You can now come into my presence. And, and again, I, I want to emphasize how it's just incredible the work of God, what was accomplished on the cross to take an unworthy sinner and clean us up to the place where he can come in his presence. But are you living this life, this new life? You know, are we still living old covenant? Am I still trying to earn what has already been given? Okay, and, and trust me on this, our, our sinful heart will gravitate back towards that all the time. Okay, we love religions of works because it's in our control. 
and we're going to gravitate towards back all the time. Am I living uh, based on what I already have and knowing that to be true, or am I living still trying to earn what God has already given me? And the second question is this, in whom are you investing? Lord Jesus, who do you want to use me in their life? Walk towards them, pray, and see what happens. Okay? Walk towards them, pray, and see what happens. Uh, we're going to we're going to sing about the resurrected life. Uh, so um, I'm ask Doug and Jeremy and Rachel to come on back up, and we're going to uh, close in a song here. Got to give you a little bit of a warning, okay? As we move in, oh, by the way, chapter 11, that comes after 10. Uh, anybody, chapter 11 has kind of a name. It's called the Hall of Fame of, anybody? Hebrews chapter 11, faith, that's right. So we're going to talk about living out our faith next week. Uh, chapters 12 and 13, some more of that. We're going to get getting into the let us. Okay, here's how to live this out. We're going to really be kind of dig into that. But even as we sing this song and talk, to, talk about the power of the resurrected Christ in me and living out this resurrection life, okay, let's kind of, let's kind of ask ourselves those, a couple questions. Number one, am I still living to earn what is already sitting in the driveway? Or am I driving that car and beginning to live that life by drawing near, by holding on, by investing in others? And secondly, very simply, in whom am I investing? Because that's what we're supposed to do as a church. And baby step it. Where can I get started on this? You know, where can I find somebody that just needs an encouraging word today? Um, I don't know how many times I'll talk to somebody, you know, after service and they'll say, hey, I was just so encouraged that so-and-so came up and spoke to me for a while. That was so nice. And, uh, you know, where, where can we just begin with that? Looking for ways to make this more, more than a reception of the Word of God. It should be that. But remember, we're not supposed to just receive. The follow-up questions are, so what? And now what? What are we going to do about it? Okay? So as we move forward on that, I encourage you uh, to uh, ask yourself those questions before the Lord. And then also, I want to encourage you, again, if you're like... Every time I'm here, if this whole idea of new life in Christ, when I talk about having Christ as our personal Savior and knowing Him as our High Priest, if that is in any way foreign speak to you, I would love to be able to explain that a little bit more. Because ultimately, new life in Christ begins when I receive Jesus Christ or when I call upon Him to, for forgiveness of sin to be my personal Savior. Okay? I recognize that I need a Savior. And I do that. Our Father, again, at, at the end of any message, I want to pray. Take, take the message, solidify it, bring it home to our hearts in a way that there's no way I can do. Would you do that, please, Lord? In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. You've been listening to Pastor Dan Thomas of Community Church in Edwardsburg. For more information about the church, you can visit our website, edwardsburg.church. You may also contact the church via email, info at edwardsburg.church, or call us at 269-663-2648. Thank you for listening.